Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Joining us right now on the Team 980 guest hotline is former Commander's tight end Logan Paulson. He's also the co-host of Odyssey's Take Command podcast. You can get that wherever you download your podcast and... He's the co-host of the Burgundy and Gold pregame show uh, here on the Team 980 and 106.7 The Fan. And and for the first half during games, you can catch him with me and Denton Day on Burgundy and Gold Game Day Live. What's going on, big fella? How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. You got the you got the soundtrack for that intro, which is awesome. You dig it, huh? <laughs> I do, yeah. <laughs> Logan, man, look, I, I've been saying it all show long, man. Temper my expectations here a little bit. I feel like... This offense of the Washington Commanders right now is closer to being average than we've seen all season. They're coming off their best statistical output since Taylor Heineke's taken over. It was the first time all season where they've thrown for over 270 yards and run for over a buck fifty. What did you like uh, in the tie Sunday on offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it was nice to see them kind of get to some downfield passing stuff. I know that kind of came late in that two-minute situation, but I like that they're taking play-action shots. and I like that they're not deviating too much from this run-first philosophy because, like we've talked about on our show, you know, they need to kind of stay with who they are, you know, dance with the girl who brung you kind of thing. And right. I think they've done a great job of that, but also cultivating, you know, a methodology to get more explosive plays, specifically off the play-action, play like I said. So, if they can continue to develop that, I think that bodes really well. I like that Jahan Dotson's getting some touches, you know, kind of game plan specific touches off of that play action look. Obviously, the touchdowns off a drop back in a kind of a two minute situation, so a little bit unique situation there. Curtis Samuel getting some touches in the run game. I think early on the game, you'd like to see him be involved with that play action pass yeah. stuff a little bit more. But I, I do, I agree with you. I think they're kind of finding ways to build that chemistry. Specifically, I think Taylor with Jahan was really nice to see, and I think that's just going to keep getting better as long as they don't go crazy. They say, hey, we're a run-first team, but there's a lot you can do being a run-first team. Logan, to piggyback off of that, what do you think is the next step in the evolution of this commander's offense? We know what their identity is now. We see them you know, connecting on some of the play-action stuff. Is it really just consistency here moving forward? I think that's a huge part of it, obviously, but I do think you're seeing elements of, of what the next step is now. Like you're seeing kind of, you know, that picture of the evolution, the monkey kind of walking on two legs, and soon they'll be a man, right? That's right. kind of where we're at. And so what I, what I mean by that is you see Scott Turner saying, playing with defensive expectations. Like out of this formation, we normally run this run, but we're going to run this run instead. And then out of this kind of formation, we've run this run twice. Now we're going to run a play-action pass. Or we've run this run with the jet sweep. Now we're going to hand it off to the jet sweep. 
So you like how, in some ways, the confines of this run-first approach have allowed Scott Turner to be creative in a more focused direction. So I think as long as he can continue to do that and continue to grow and continue to develop, I think you feel really good about where this is going to go. It's just about how quickly that evolution happens and uh, if it happens quickly enough to beat some of these um, these really good teams that they got on the remaining four-game schedule. Logan, when you talk about this offense, the offensive line obviously has been under a lot of scrutiny this year. They dealt with some serious injuries uh, in Sunday's game. You lose Tyler Larson. Nick Martin has to step in. Based off of what you saw on the film, how did you feel like he played uh, in reserve for, for Tyler Larson? Yeah, I think Nick Martin does a really good job. Um, you know, obviously – one of the things about Tyler Larson that makes him very unique is he is a big human being. You know, he's listed at 6'4". He's, I think he probably weighs close to 335, 340. He's a big physical center, which I think adds a lot of value in the run game. They've been running this duo play, I think, a lot, you know, in a way to speak to that skill set, to the Turner skill set. So hey, having that piece out might augment who they want to be from a run game standpoint because Nick Martin is a little bit quicker, a little bit more fleet of foot. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that progresses, obviously. I think he actually did a decent job from a pass protection standpoint in terms of getting things called. Wait, Martindale deserves a lot of credit for those pressures yeah. uh, that he got on Taylor just from a schematic standpoint. We talked about that on the Take a Man podcast quite a bit with Craig. But I do think, um, I think he's a guy you can win football games with as long as you keep him somewhat insulated, which I think Scott has done an excellent job of for the entire line during this uh, win, win streak. Yeah, you mentioned Wink Martindale and his ability to create pressure and create confusion along this commander's offensive line. When you went back and looked at the film, how much of it was on the offensive line and, and the pressures and how much of it was, was Taylor maybe not recognizing who was coming hot all the time? Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's a really good question. I think Wink deserves a ton of credit. You know, he really did a good job of, of dictating, you know, in these um, – in these five-man protections with your five offensive linemen, dictating which way the slide is going to go, dictating which way the center is going. And when you are good at doing that, you can it becomes easier because, like, the man side, which is away from the side, is a two-man protection side. So if you can find a way to kind of confound their rules on the man side, you put yourself in a pretty good job to find and cultivate pressures. He did an excellent job of that. He also did a good job of having adjustments when Washington went um, kind of in there. Uh, in their um, heavy protection, their max protection packages of putting, making sure he had good pass rushers on bad pass protectors or, or less uh, or non-offensive lineman pass protectors, right. which is good to do, right? So he just did a really nice job down in and down out of finding ways to put the defense in an advantageous situation from pass rush standpoint. It'll be interesting to see in two weeks, you know, after Scott's had a lot of time to repair. Yeah. Scott's been excellent on long weeks of prep in terms of what their plan is for these game plan specific pressures. I think, I think um, I'm very confident Scott will come up with a good solution. And then also I think if they can manage first and second down a little bit more consistently, Wink doesn't like to bring those pressures in those third and four, third and third and four situations, third and four or less. So obviously being more efficient in those situations are going are, are gonna to increase your productivity from a pass protection standpoint as well. Let's flip things over to the defensive side of the football, Logan. I thought they had a really nice day uh, in the second half. They really did a nice job, you know, getting more stops and getting more pressure and just really figuring out and solving uh, this New York Giants rushing attack. In that first half, though, what were you seeing uh, on film that, that, that Washington was having trouble with? Obviously, Daniel Jones ends up as their leading rusher. Uh, speak to, you know, why Washington was struggling to stop them in the first half. 
Well, it's interesting, you know, like when you watch the Dallas game from two weeks ago, you kind of say to yourself, oh, well, like they went really heavy with, heavy with the keeper game, right? So kind of run action to the right, quarterback rolls to the left, the receivers all kind of mirror to the left in terms of the route concept. And Dallas came up with a really good solution after the first two series of that game and said, you know, we're just going to run right at the quarterback and we're going to take this off the table. So I thought, well, that, you know, I, I don't think they're going to run a lot of keeper in this game because, you know, Dallas showed the solution. And I right. think, uh, you know, Brian Dayball did an excellent job of basically saying, you know, we, we can solve this problem. And so what they did is they left the tight end and they motioned the tight end to kind of get the defensive end in a six technique or an inside leverage, and then they'd block down on them. And so they were ensuring these edges. And basically those keepers played with Daniel Jones like kind of ultra RPOs, right? He, he's out-leveraged the defense. He's out-leveraged the contained player. There's routes in front of him, and they're deep routes that force the defense to defend three levels of the field. And he also has the ability to attack you with his legs. And that's what he did. And so really good job, I think, by Brian Dable of kind of finding that wrinkle from a schematic standpoint to put his defense and to put that defensive or to put that offense, excuse me, in a really good situation to take advantage of the commander's defense. So that's what I saw. And then I saw as the game went on, you know, I don't know if Jack makes the adjustments or the players are making the adjustments in games, but basically saying anytime we get this tight end look, we're going to get really vertical. You see a couple holding calls in the second half. Because of that, you see uh, F.A. Obata in the second quarter forcing a throw right early and getting the ball out of his hand, letting Pursuit get to the ball quickly. So obviously they did make some adjustments that made that game plan for Brian Dayball and the Giants a little bit less tenable, and I think you see a less effective Giants offense in the second half. Something Ron Rivera said when he spoke to the media on Monday was, you know, it's about taking the quarterback out of the running game early in the game so they aren't able to go back to it later in game. Uh, in the next meeting that they have on Sunday night, what adjustments do you expect Washington to make defensively? And if you could put your defensive coordinator hat on for a second, what would you do to try to combat this Giants offense based off of what you saw Sunday? Well, I think, um, you know, I think Ron brings up a great point about, you know, making sure that the quarterback doesn't hurt you early because, you know, quarterbacks are like running backs. They get confidence as they go and it, the coordinators get confidence in calling those schemes. And I do think they had, if you look at like the RPO stuff, I think they had a solid plan for kind of base RPO. Um, and the one play that um, Jones hits you big on the RPO is kind of a very specific, you know, you're pulling, it's almost a quarterback power type look. So if I'm, uh, if I'm the, um, the defensive coordinator trying to take advantage of, of Daniel Jones, like I basically say, like we have to eliminate him from the table, right? If, um, if Benjamin St. Juice is back healthy, I'm going to match him up with Slate and I'm going to play a lot of man coverage. I'm going to say, Daniel Jones does not beat us with his legs. We are going to spy him. We're going to run line stunts. We're going to make it difficult for them to get on the perimeter of this defense because with Benjamin St. Juice against Slayton, they do not have weapons that I, that scare me. Right. So the only thing that scares me is Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, and I think we match up in schematically very well. Obviously, Jamin Davis is very, very productive against scrambling quarterbacks in terms of pursuit. Make his rules simple. Let him do that very well. And obviously, you have some of the most athletic defensive ends in the NFL. They could help mitigate some of that. But I think just being more aggressive, um, which they couldn't do this week because of the injuries in the secondary, um, would bode very well to kind of containing him as a rusher and then making sure you mix up enough coverages to confound him. Because Jack Del Rio, to his credit, did an excellent job of mixing up coverages and disguising coverages enough that was able to throw off Daniel Jones. So I think you keep keep an element of that moving forward. Just got to figure out different ways to dis- to disguise your defensive structures. You mentioned Benjamin St. Jews being out. It led to Christian Holmes being slotted in that outside corner spot. Uh, grade his performance. I know he had he gave up the touchdown, and then he had 
uh, the big play that was given up to Slayton. Uh, what have you seen from him in his two starts the past two weeks? I mean, I think, you know, as a special teams player, he's been absolutely insanely good and so fun to watch. And I think the coaches are hoping that that physicality and that confidence would translate to him playing corner. And obviously, um, in this last game, it didn't. You know, he, he looked a little bit unsettled, looked a little bit um, like a young football player, which he is. And I think that's okay. Um, and I would say that he's got some areas that he can improve on, and I think he would tell you the same thing. So, um, obviously, I think there's a lot of potential with him and a lot of things to be excited about. I still think he's a little bit of little little green around the ears and can grow a little bit, and um, I think he will. And I think you know, if you look at the Commanders' draft in this last year with the seventh round, they were able to find some guys with some high upside, right. and to get a seventh round pick who could potentially start for you, I think is a testament to this to this talent evaluation process. So, you know, was he ready for this week? No, but does he has he shown an ability to play? I think absolutely yes. So it'll be really interesting to continue to watch his development in his young career. Yeah, we saw them. They ended up benching him for for Danny Johnson midway through that third quarter and in the second half. What did you see from Danny Johnson in his spot work? I mean, gosh, Danny Johnson looked great, man. He did an excellent job. Just played with tremendous confidence. Played with uh, played with uh, tremendous physicality and vision to the ball. So you know, I have a lot of respect for him coming in off the bench, which is very very tough to do, filling that role and and making some plays. Quite frankly, I think that's the thing is. You know, um, he he took advantage of his opportunities and made the plays when his number was called, and that's not always easy to do. So kudos to him, especially kind of after a very tough preseason outing, to kind of find this confidence and just be way more consistent in this game than I've seen him be this season. So awesome for him, very, very happy for him because, like, you know, it's tough. It's tough to kind of go through those ebbs and flows from a confidence standpoint, so uh, really happy for him. You being a former player, Logan, you've obviously dealt with this bye week stuff. Having to play the same opponent coming out of the bye, uh, obviously we know the obvious advantages that they'll have, but from the player's perspective, uh, when getting ready for this thing, how, how would you go at it? Gosh, I mean, it is a very unique situation. I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this quite before. So if I was a player... Shoot, I don't know. I'd just probably rewatch. It, it makes my film study and prep very easy. I just right. watch the last game and be like, this is what they think they can get on us, and this is what I need to do better to make sure that they can't do this. And obviously I would kind of try to anticipate some wrinkle off of what they're doing because right. Brian Dayball and this staff, Wink Martindale um, and his defensive staff, have done, have done a really nice job, actually, of finding wrinkles each week. Now it's going to be tougher for them because they are not coming off of like a mini-buy, you know, like they right. were on Thanksgiving so those wrinkles will be a little bit more subtle and, and maybe less impactful. But I do think that, um, you know, I'm just going to watch this last game. I'm going to watch the Philly game, and my film prep is going to be super easy because I know them. I just played them. We feel good about it. And, uh, you know, in some ways I like games like this because you, you can kind of take all that stuff you learned about the opponent and, and fix it, you know, on the fly. So that's something I think is, um, you know, is advantageous in some ways uh, for the player. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see, man. Round two coming up next Sunday night in prime time. I'll be looking forward to to doing the game with you. Wow, it's crazy. I forgot we yeah. I forgot we worked together, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's always a good time on that show. Definitely, man. All right, big fella. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Take it easy. That is former Commanders tight end Logan Paulson. Make sure you download the Take Command podcast. Him and Craig Hoffman do an excellent job. And I'll say this, and I know this is our hometown guy and I'm probably a little biased. Of all the Odyssey family, I think the Take Command podcast is the most informational and and information-filled podcast and really gets you up to speed uh, from an X's and O's standpoint. And then Logan, being a former player, lets you get inside of the mind of a player as well. 
uh, when discussing this stuff. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.